You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. As much as we may be in the middle of a deep cultural discussion about what kind of country this is, over the past few years, it's been really clear that we're also talking more and more about how we relate to one another in that discussion about who we are. Civility has become a word that both defines some Americans' expectations about how we debate and disagree, but it's also kind of a weapon that gets used to silence opposition. So Donald Trump's White House, for instance, has been aggressively eschewing the idea of civility, calling people names, insulting people, and, of course, embracing policies that are anything but civil. But then Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes to a restaurant in Lexington, Virginia, and gets asked to leave because she's associated with those policies. And she says that was uncivil. Meanwhile, Congresswoman Maxine Waters said more people ought to be harassing members of the Trump administration because of the horrible policies that they're embracing. And then she gets called uncivil by her Democratic colleagues in Congress. What's going on here is more complicated than any of that, of course. It all calls on the history of discourse and oppression in this country and the ways in which people are stripped of agency to defend their rights or other people's rights by calls for them to be more appropriate or a little more respectful in the way that they do that. We want to spend the rest of the time today talking about civility, what it really is, whether it matters, and how we might think about not just decorum, but justice when we debate and discuss issues in this country. Joining us for that conversation is Van Newkirk II. <clears throat> he is a staff writer at The Atlantic, where he covers politics and policy. He wrote a piece back in December of 2016 titled, Sometimes There Are More Important Goals Than Civility. Van, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Carol Lukensmeyer. She is the executive director of the nonpartisan National Institute for Civil Discourse. She has an op-ed in The Hill today titled, Incivility is Not Going to Fix This Crisis. Carolyn, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. I'm delighted to be with you. Yeah. Uh, so, Van, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to read an excerpt. Uh, from your piece in December of 2016. You say, in the aggregate, though, these calls for civility threaten to impose a burden on people of color. If calling out racism is largely counterproductive, using a systemic definition like white supremacy is also unacceptable, and stigmatizing or shaming those who espouse racist beliefs is self-defeating, what tools remain? The only form of productive debate that people of color can engage in, it seems, is the gentle persuasion of white people who may or may not hold retrograde views. Uh, talk about why you think civility is, I guess, you're sort of calling it a, a red herring of sorts in this in this conversation. Well, I think if you look at the history of the word civility in American political discourse, it's often used more as a way to constrain the options available to uh, marginalized people than it is to elevate the debate. So uh, what I want to focus people on is looking back at the civil rights movement. There were, if you polled the average American, uh, and they did poll average Americans, uh, towards the end of the civil rights movement, the majority of the country said that the movement was, was uncivil, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, mm -hmm. it, that it broke the boundaries of what was considered respectful and appropriate. And they claimed that 
the civil rights movement, Dr. King, even uh, their incivility was what pushed white supremacists towards becoming more racist. So you can actually import that exact same argument to the, to the modern moment, uh-huh, which uh-huh. is that you have these people who are choosing a completely nonviolent and legal protest, uh, which may be kicking people out of a restaurant for political views. It may be what uh, Congresswoman Waters said, which is confronting people and shaming them in public. They have chosen these completely nonviolent, uh, which is what people always say they want, nonviolent <laughs> protest. However, uh, these folks still, they're still not enough. And I think you've seen uh, from with people from Colin Kaepernick on, uh, there isn't really a, a actual protest that everyone agrees is civil. So what are we talking about? And, and it, it sort of pushes us to the point where the, the question is whether the objection is to the speech itself, right? Uh, to the right. positions that, uh, that, that people of color or other people who face oppression in society uh, are taking against the majority uh, uh, position. Right. And uh, it basically, it makes a false sort of equivalence between the, the biggest threat to LGBT people to uh, that were maybe in the Red Hen, Re- Red Hen restaurant or, or to black or Latino people is not incivility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not Trump getting on Twitter and using bad words. It's policy. It's mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. It's real violence. And so it basically puts that real violence. People, families are being separated. Children are being permanently uh, taken from their mothers. That is real violence, and it places it in direct contrast and comparison with somebody using, with Robert De Niro saying a bad word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are not uh, equivalent things. Uh, Carolyn, uh, I also want to read a, a quick excerpt from your piece. Uh, you say, this debate is about far more than manners. The demonstrators using incivility and calling for more incivility are fighting an egregious family separation policy and confronting a side that regularly refuses to play by the rules. This is an administration that has a troubling relationship with the truth, evades questioning, and at times openly undermines the Constitution. It took a long, painful march forward to achieve the aspirations of our founders and establish shared values and norms, honesty, inclusion, the respect for the rule of law in our political conversations. We are now taking serious and disturbing steps backward. We're going to need civility if we want to climb out of this. I wonder when you talk about incivility, Carolyn, what is it that you see that falls into that category? Well, let me start by saying that part of my point in the Hill was at the moment, I would say we're having a distraction from the real issue of the injustice and immorality at the border by this now fight about what is civility and what is incivility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But back to your clear question to me, Stephen. What we see today is that since the election, in neighborhoods, in families, in places of worship, and even places of work, people have not been able to come back to the same level of open conversation with each other, trust in each other, that was true prior to the election. So as the segment just previous to us, Mm -hmm. your uh, expert talked about, we haven't seen this level of disturbance since the Civil War. So when we talk about incivility, we mean the inability 
to, at the appropriate moment, have a conversation with people who think differently than you do to actually discover why we hold our different views and then have the potential of exploring a possible solution on the policy issue. If, in fact, Democrats and Republicans can't have this conversation now about what's happening at the border and actually pass a law in the next few days, weeks, then, in fact, the perpetrators of the injustice have won this round. So we need the civility to be present for lawmakers to actually come to a piece of legislation that could be passed, that would have to be bipartisan, that would then be presented to President Trump to sign. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, is there a limiting principle on what you're saying, Carolyn? Is there is there a, a point at which civility uh, equates to sort of acquiescence, I guess, to the, the, the kind of oppression that, that we see with uh, this, this border policy, for instance, historically with, with other unjust laws? Well, I agree with Van. There are many times in our history and in the current situation when people call for civility to control a view different than their own. Mm-hmm. But that's really a misuse of the role of civility in a democratic society. It's just calling on that tool to try to win their argument. So it's like we have two things going on at the same time here. Mm -hmm. Yes, some people have used civility to control people and oppress people of a different point of view. We're calling on people to actually create the space to have a real conversation across these differences. You know, our founders actually, they actually knew. They wrote into our Constitution several issues that we are still fighting about. Power with the feds, power with states. The 2016 brought on this rural-urban divide at a level we hadn't seen it in contemporary politics. Mm -hmm. So they knew that conflict was embedded in our system, and we would have to be capable of having conversations across the differences in these conflicts to ever move to a resolution that would deal with the common good. Mm -hmm. And we've now watched Congress essentially been stuck and not able to do that for close to 20-plus years. So this really puts even more pressure on the public to both be capable of these conversations ourselves in our communities and to demand an accountability of our elected officials to be able to sit down together, work through their differences, find areas of agreement, and actually move forward on these critical issues. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about civility and the role it does play, the role it should play in American debate and discussion. Stay with us and stay with us in the conversation, a pretty robust conversation already going on on Facebook about this. We will get to some of those comments. Also, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. What do you think about civility? Is this the time to be civil? Or do you think the current political environment calls for a little incivility? Stay with us on Detroit Today.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Van Newkirk II. He is a staff writer at The Atlantic, where he covers politics and policy. He wrote a piece back in December 2016 titled, Sometimes There Are More Important Goals Than Civility. And we've also got Carolyn Lukensmeyer with us. Uh, she is the executive director of the nonpartisan National Institute for Civil Discourse. She has an op-ed in The Hill today titled, Incivility is Not Going to Fix This Crisis. We are talking about civility, that word and that concept, and the role that it plays in the debates that we have in our country. Think of the argument that we're having right now about family separation at the border. Think historically about the arguments we've had about race and opportunity, equality. What role should civility play in those discussions? And is there a point where civility winds up being a tool that's used by those with power to keep those without power from speaking out about it. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page where there is a really great conversation already going on about this. You can put your comments there. We'll try to weave them into the conversation here. Uh, you can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. There's a lot going on there as well, uh, and we will try to work that into the conversation. Let's get to some of these Facebook comments. Maggie on Facebook says, people don't like being confronted. We get it. They want us to stand by quietly and watch them harm and dismantle the things that make this country great. Too bad. They are going to have to listen to the public. Kevin on Facebook says, there are few better examples of idiotic hypocrisy in today's politics than a Trump supporter decrying the death of civility. Arnold on Facebook says, the more hysterical Democrats get, the more they help Republicans. Nobody likes being associated with people who act out hysterically. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Courtney in Detroit. Courtney, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen, you asked your guest at what point is there a limit or something, and that's kind of my question. Civility is actually really important, but that only counts if the other team is also playing by those rules. And as she said, 20 years at least have gone by since it's been really a working, functioning Congress. So at what point do we stop worrying about civility and start worrying about fixing our democracy? Mm -hmm. And that's my question. Uh, Courtney, great question. Uh, uh, Carol, uh, Carolyn uh, Lukensmeyer, I will start with you. Well, Courtney, it is a great question, and it's a real paradox, because in order to solve the problem, we have to, again, come to a place of whether it's in your place of work or in your home, where people who hold a different point of view can actually talk to one another with enough respect that they can get past the impasse. You know, at the Institute, we got thousands of calls during the election, after the election. Parents, we have two daughters. They're both in Ivy League schools. They're coming home for Thanksgiving. They haven't spoken to each other since the election. What can we do to have a decent Thanksgiving dinner? Mm -hmm. Biggest surprise to me, we've gotten calls from major U.S. corporations saying that their product innovation teams have not come back to the same level of productivity since the 2016 election. This means that the inability to talk to one another across our difference is actually impacting some organizations' bottom line. So 
absolutely we need to speak out about the injustice where we see it. But to actually solve the problem, we have to be in conversation with the other side that allows us to discover solutions. Hmm. Uh, Van Newkirk? So my hang-up here is uh, I think civility is vital to a well-functioning democracy. Uh, But I think our uh, view on how well America's democracy has ever functioned might be a bit different. Um, For me... When we talk about civility, we talk about needing to set a, I think Carolyn used a great term earlier, which was uh, creating space. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about creating space. How do we create a space for civil discourse? Uh, How do you create a a space for that if you are black and your opponent has uh, soft endorsed the Klan? How do you do it when, say, uh, a, a member of an opposing party is retweeting Nazis mm-hmm. on Twitter unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me that if we really want to talk about civility, we really have to first address the ways in which actual politics... So so we talk about having a discourse, a, a, a fair discourse between two political sides, but we cannot ignore that politics is often violence, and is often incivility itself. Uh, so how do we talk about having a civil discourse between uh, two sides, one which may be a victim of a, a particular policy and one which may be an aggressor? So to, th- there seems to be a disconnect between what we are referring to as discourse, which is this idealized sort of marketplace of ideas back and forth between two, two people who have different positions on a, on a thing, and our politics, in which regularly people are targeted by other people and made to be victims, made to be marginalized. Uh, They are stripped of their rights, and we're seeing that happen now. There seems to be uh, two different conversations going on, and and, and one, the the one that I think most people are are operating in with the the Red Hen incident is the one at the level of politics. You're talking about an inherently uncivil policy Mm -hmm. that people are responding to uh, the only way they can because, you know, I think we, we use this parable of of confronting a bully with kindness and love, which is all great. But oftentimes in the real world, when we're talking about power, that just gets you another bloody nose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On Twitter, uh, we have a comment that says, we need more empathy and compromise. No solution is going to fix any of this country's problems 100%. Issues are not black and white. They're varying shades of gray. All of us right and left need to stop with the us versus them mentality, except Racist and misogynist. Screw them. Okay, Uh, that's an interesting uh, comment there. Uh, Dr. Anna on Twitter says, I don't care about civility and empathy when talking about basic human rights. I'm not compromising on something that's morally wrong and unjust. Again, uh, you can join those conversations on Facebook and on Twitter or give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Let's go to Jeff in Sterling Heights. Jeff, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Uh-huh, go ahead. Uh, I was recently watching the documentary uh, King in the Wilderness that premiered on HBO a couple of months ago. There was a scene depicted when Dr. King was marching through Chicago in 1966, and a woman got into his face and spat in his face, mm-hmm. and the witnesses recounted his response. And what he said to the woman was, ma'am, you're far too pretty to be acting this way. To me, that was a demonstration of uncompromised civility in the face of the greatest, you know, 
sort of display of incivil behavior. Hmm. Um, So I'm just wondering what your guests think, what you think. You know, is there an inherent sort of, uh, I guess, acceptance that you're going to have this sort of violence thrown at you when you try to change the hearts and minds of people that are that sick in their thinking? And the only way to confront that is with civility. Now, you have to defend yourself if someone is going to, you know, try to inflict physical violence on you. But I think, Jeff, where that line is, I think, is what you're you're trying to get at. Um, And Van Newkirk, uh, we we are told these stories all the time about uh, the nonviolent nature of Dr. King's movement in the 1960s, and that as a model uh, for. Civility. Why is that, uh, or I should say, is that or is it not uh, a valid reference to, to what we're dealing with today? Well, Martin Luther King Jr. is to me the textbook example of the disconnect between uh, what we mean when we say civility and what he actually espoused mm-hmm. in nonviolence. Mm-hmm. So that is a great example, and not just uh, being spat on. He was hit in the head with a rock by yeah. a neo-Nazi protester. He was stabbed Chicago. at some point. He yeah. was, he was stabbed. He faced uh, his. He had houses that were bombed. Um, this is a person who, as a stratagem, chose nonviolence, not civility. Uh, he made it very clear that when, what people called civility at the time was, was basically not protesting. Being people quiet. called him. Right to be quiet, to to, uh, to not rile up people more uh, in order to get things moving. But he, he chose aggressive nonviolence. He called it militant nonviolence, actually. He got in people's faces. His acolytes did this even more with the sit-ins, with calling out people, with doing something similar to what Maxine Waters actually impl- implored people to do. Uh, these were real strategies designed uh, not to be passive, but they, they, they existed to break the wheel of, to disrupt. of violence, yes. to disrupt violence, yes. So nonviolence and civility, uh, they may they are used often as synonyms, but actually I think in common current discourse, they are antonyms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carolyn, Lukens, Carolyn Lukensmeyer, uh, I've only got about uh, two minutes left, but I want to make sure we hear from you on this, uh, on this issue. So actually, what I... Again, I'm going to use the word paradox in the sense that I think we're actually using the concept of civility in two different ways, both of which are real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One when, in fact, a calling on the oppressed group to behave only in the social norms of the oppressor group, and that is a misuse of what the word civility meant, actually, as it was discussed as the Constitutional Convention was happening. And what I think would be extraordinary, and I'd like to propose, Van, I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but I'd like to suggest that you and I actually take a shot at writing an article together which actually acknowledges these two completely different uses of the word civility, each of which are actually in motion in the current context on the border. Wow. Uh, I would love to read that article. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys uh, know how to get hold of each other, and don't leave us out. If you do this, <laughs> let us know uh, that you've done it, and we'll have you come back and, and talk about that article as well. Okay, Van Newkirk II, staff writer at The Atlantic, uh, author of a piece in December 16 titled, Sometimes There Are More Important Goals Than Civility. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. 
Thanks for having me. Also, Caroline Lukensmeyer, executive director of the Nonpartisan National Institute for Civil Discourse, author of an op-ed in The Hill today titled, Incivility is Not Going to Fix This Crisis. Thank you for being here. Thanks very much, Stephen. It's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. Also, remember, we are asking you to read with us this summer. Search on Facebook for Detroit Today's Summer Book Club and join us as we read and discuss Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, and talk about housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you again tomorrow.